0: I want you to open your Bibles to the book of Psalm in chapter 2, Psalm number 2, the second Psalm, the second Psalm, and I'm going to begin reading in verse number 1 of Psalm 2, verse number 1 of Psalm 2. The psalmist begins writing and he says, why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh, the Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet have I set my king Upon my holy hill of Zion, I will declare the decree. The Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings, and be instructed, ye judges of the earth, Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son lest he be angry. And you perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. Father, we would ask you now that you would guide. I pray that the Holy Spirit of God would work in all of our hearts. I need your help certainly this morning as I Deliver the message, dear God, that I believe with all my heart that you have given me to bring today. I pray that you would uh, give light and understanding to us, and I pray that you would speak to every heart in the manner in which you desire to speak. Help us to be open vessels, welcoming your work in our lives, and we'll thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Now, I need you to do me a favor today. I want you to listen real carefully. I I, I really need a favor from you today. I need you to listen to me in everything I have to say from beginning to end before you determine whether or not you receive or reject what I say to you today. I I need you to have the courtesy of hearing me out then after you've heard me out, if you say, I disagree with that totally, then we can still be friends. But if you grab something that I say and run with it, or if you twist it and don't hear the totality of what I'm saying, you're going to miss the message today. And so I pray and I ask you if you would give me today a complete hearing. I passed a nursing school recently, and the big sign on the front lawn declared, heroes work here. And as I passed that sign, I thought to myself, that's mostly true, but not necessarily entirely true. Now, I know some nurses. I know some people that work for, for the EMS, uh, Maurice's kids. I've met them, just some of the most wonderful people. Uh, just bubbly. You can't be around them without smiling. And they're servants. And they give their heart to helping people and saving lives and making people's difficult moments um, as comfortable as possible. But we must recognize and realize the fact that you do not become a hero by the uniform you wear. You can't just put on a uniform and suddenly because you wear that uniform, I'm a hero. I'm wearing this, so I'm a hero. You're not a hero even by the things that you do on your job. That that does not. And I think that's been clearly evidenced to us in images that will forever be etched in the history of our nation and that surely could never escape your mind or my mind in the lifetime that we have left here on this earth. I want to remind you that corrupt people have been found wearing the uniform of the United States military. We know that. Soldiers have gone rogue, killed people at our military institutions. One of our our great heroes that was, you know, the American sniper was killed by a former soldier. So we cannot escape the fact that putting on an American uniform does not make a man a hero. When I was a kid, good night, I don't I, I have to look back, but 15 years old, I went to a rally in Savannah, Georgia in honor of Lieutenant William Calley, who was accused of the Melee Massacre. The realization simply is this: just because he was a soldier. Fighting in a war for America does not mean that he could not create atrocities. Just because a man wears a badge does not mean that he will not break the very laws that he swore to fulfill. I don't know of one singular person. I I, I, know, that I, I know that there are exceptions, but I do not know of one individual that I know, in, and I've got many friends that are police, I've got friends that work for the FBI that I've known their entire life. I've watched them grow up, and now they work for the FBI, some for the CIA. I I don't know of one singular individual that said, I'm for police brutality. I I think that police have the right to do whatever they want. I don't know of anybody. Now, there are people in our world that are that arrogant. but, But to believe that because a man wears a uniform and wears a badge, he has the right to arbitrarily take the life of another person when his life is not in danger, I don't know of anybody, and I'm just going to say this just real transparent today, you'll have to forgive me, and I hope you, I don't, I'm not trying to offend anybody, but I, I, I honestly don't know of anybody that demented. You can't take somebody's life because they're not doing what you think they should do. We don't kill people because they're drug addicts. That's not why we take lives. And so the realization is, I mean, study history. Al Capone had cops on his payroll. So the reality of the matter is, though we support our thin blue line without hesitancy and with no reservation at all, wholeheartedly, Unreservedly, we support them. We also have to recognize the fact that there can be people that infiltrate that that are either bad from their inception or become jaded by their experiences and turn bad. Doctors and nurses can be corrupt. You ready for this? Please hold on to your seat. I want you to grab the person next to you, cling them tightly. Pastors? No, yeah. And you know I'm being facetious. Pastors can be absolutely corrupt. Men who stand behind the pulpit, read the Word of God, and you let yet live a vile, secretive lifestyle that turns the stomach of Almighty God. That happens. And you know what? Listen to me carefully. People are scarred all over our nation because they put their faith and their trust in a man who called himself a man of God and yet lived a secret life that wasn't exposed until later. This is one you'll all believe. Politicians. Joe, I apologize. Grateful for our mayor. Thankful for men like him with characters, but with character. But but there are statesmen. And then there are others that are there to not fulfill the Constitution, which is the greatest document ever written by human hands. Of course, besides the Bible, which was from God, you understand what I'm saying. I'm just just saying that men can become corrupt and fulfill their own agenda in the political arena. Mother's Lori Fallow, who's been on the news recently for the murder of her children. Fathers, sons and daughters, aunts and uncles, school teachers can be corrupt. Church members can be corrupt. Social workers can become corrupt. Bank employees can become corrupt and robbed from the very bank in which they work. And honestly, I don't have time to complete the list today because it goes on and on. I want you to hear me well. Every single institution and position on earth that is filled by a human being has the potential for corruption because we're all born sinners into this world and our nature is bent from God, to God. And so if left to ourself, then we can become very, very sinful people. And we're a nation like that, are we not? Are we, are we not? I mean, are we not a nation of sinful and, and flawed people? We, and by the way, we always have been. Listen to me. Th- this is nothing new. We have always, from the inception of our nation... We have always been people that have been sinful and have been flawed. But I want to remind you that just because one person corrupts a position and disgraces um, an occupation does not mean that the entire group and the entire occupation become tainted by his sinful actions. Well, there's a a corrupt policeman. Well, all policemen aren't corrupt. I knew a corrupt pastor. Well, please, please, could you give me a chance at least? Don't lump me in with that. Don't come to church saying, well, I had a pastor that ripped me off and, and, and was corrupt and I don't trust you. No, 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 give me a chance. Get to know me find out if I'm real or plastic, see if this is a facade or it's real, okay? Just see who I am. All policemen aren't corrupt. All politicians aren't corrupt. All doctors and nurses aren't liars trying to get your money and propagate some faults. They're not all like that. I go to one that certainly isn't. And, and so we need to be careful not to disgrace the entire nation because we have become aware of disgraceful actions that have taken place within our nation now i will say this to you heroes have lived here they have i stood on the i stood on the cliff of normandy and overlooked Normandy Beach while French people all around me celebrated my nation, sang cheers and dressed in uniforms of American soldiers, and signs were everywhere thanking God for the United States of America. Heroes have lived here. I want to say that heroes do live here, but what we have to learn to do is to We have to learn to identify who those heroes are and and encourage them and promote them and be thankful for them rather than spending our entire life looking at those amongst us that are far less than heroic. I will tell you this, regardless of who they are or the color of their skin, regardless of what political party they pledge allegiance to, regardless of how they vote. Anybody that would destroy the business of an innocent individual is not a hero, they're criminals. That's just true. And until we get to the place to where we face the trueness of what is going on in our world today, we we will never solve a single thing. You cannot hide your head in the sand and act like all of this is normal, it's way, way, way far from normal. Even in our own capital, in a protest this week, a reporter was spat upon and cursed. Female reporter. I don't know who your daddy was, but I know who mine was, and that's not something that's acceptable whatsoever. To me, that reflects the absence of character and the absence of heart of the person that perpetrated that upon this woman who was there just to report. And and can I make a a statement? Though I'm all for protest, though I am all against rioting and the destruction of private property, public property, may I state this statement? I am nauseated and sickened by people that come out and act like they're americans while wearing swastikas my dad slept on cold hard ground at one time with inches of rain soaked in his tent he set free he set free prison camp survivors he fought the bulge because of the atrocities of people that honored that swastika. I am absolutely, vehemently, totally, with every fiber within me, against white supremacy, against the Aryan nation, and against people that somehow ignorantly feel that because their skin color, which they did not choose, is white, that they are somehow superior to all other peoples of the world That is sickening and nauseating and it has no roots in the Bible whatsoever. You can quote the scripture all you want to, but it's not true. It absolutely is not true. And so while I do not like what, I do not like the rioting that's going on, I also don't find myself at home with, with the counter stuff that's going. I believe that justice should be done police officer takes the life of a person without cause and without protection of his own life, I believe justice should be served. I equally believe that if somebody goes in and kills somebody in a riot, which has happened across our land, and their buildings are burned and their homes are terrorized, I believe that they too should, should find justice. It's the American It's the American way. Now stay with me. Because what's happened in America is the corporate powers of our land have thrown their weight and their finances behind the the idea that we can intimidate in order to make people capitulate. If I force you, if I threaten you, if I, if I seek to, to take your livelihood from you, then you'll capitulate. This, this coming Tuesday, um, the Black Lives Matter movement has announced a, an economic blackout. Don't shop on Tuesday. Why? Because we're making a statement whereby we are going to hurt people economically so that they will know that, that uh, we have authority. So I told my wife I want us to do grocery shopping on Tuesday. Why would you do that? What, what did the store owner do? What was his sin? What was his wrong? So you're going to crush a nation in order to, to build a nation? That's impossible. The destructive power of man, the willingness to take people down and intimidate them. Walmart, look, Walmart has removed... And we'll no longer sell any paraphernalia that says all lives matter. But what what is that? If you're colorblind, if we're truly striving for colorblindness, then all lives have to matter. Doesn't matter if you're an indigenous American. If you're a white guy that came from European background and or, or or Ireland doesn't matter if you're oriental doesn't matter if you're black it doesn't matter where your roots go doesn't doesn't matter what ancestry.com says about you. If all if if we're truly striving to be colorblind then we have to embrace the fact that all lives matter. L'Oreal has stopped using words like lightning and whitening and fair. It's just, it's gone, it's gone insane. The the Houston Association of Realtors no longer will refer in taking people to houses that this is the master bedroom and this is the master bath. That has nothing to do with racism. It's not what that's out. It means it's the biggest room. I was talking the other day that there's been talk with some of the Indian organizations that they're going to deal, boycott Polaris because they want the Indian name taken off of the motorcycle. It was created in 1901. The history that I've read in honor after the Indian Wars ended of the great warriors like Sitting Bull and Quanah Parker, the last of the Comanche Chiefs, Crazy Horse and Red Cloud men that that fought against the united states cavalry but were men of principle you may not like the things that they did but you also will not like the sand creek massacre if you'll study it we it was it was it was two peoples killing each other off but we don't desecrate them by calling our motorcycles indians and so all this brooks brothers and others that have come out all this really does Is nothing. You you don't you put no food on the table. You help no one. You heal nothing. All you do is embolden a mob mentality that burns and pillages. Now I have some questions and then I want to give you a few points, but my question is this if this is about race, then why would you remove the statue of Abraham Lincoln? who was the great emancipator. And he stands in this statue, I believe in Boston, with a slave not bowing to him in worship, but bowing in gratitude. And Lincoln's emancipating hand is reaching out as a sign of blessing to the slaves of America that he freed. Do you know who spoke the dedicatory speech for that? A freed slave by the name of Frederick Douglass. It was one of the most eloquent men that ever lived. He's the one that dedicated that. And now suddenly they want to remove it. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You want the statue of Lee and Jackson and Stuart and those Confederate guys removed? Okay, let me ask you a question. Why do you tear down the statue of ulysses S. Grant that led the Union armies to victory over over their the men in gray? Why would you tear Grant's statue down? Did you know this? Did you know that if that if Ulysses S. Grant had not been elected president and Andrew Johnson would have stayed? That, that, that Johnson was wholeheartedly uh, uh, behind the atrocities that were still going on in America where blacks were being, listen to me, killed, you cannot deny this, killed by the thousands. Andrew Johnson did nothing, not a thing. Ulysses Grant became, and I'm a southern boy. But I got enough sense to know history. Grant came to power as president and he fought the Ku Klux Klan tooth and nail. And thank God that he did. It was a blight on our history. It's a curse on the region of the nation that I was raised in. It's a religion of hatred and discrimination. So why in the world would you tear down the statue of Ulysses S. Grant? Was he a flawed man? Yes. Yes, he was. What about Teddy Roosevelt? Why do you want his statue removed? He was the first president that ever had a black man in the White House, Booker T. Washington. He had the courage and was criticized violently for it and yet he had the courage to treat Booker T. Washington as an equal. And so you take his statue down. And a group of American citizens stood in front of the statue of Roosevelt the other day and said, you will not move his statue. He's a New Yorker and so are we. His statue stays. If it's about freedom, then why tear down the statue of George Washington? Was he flawed? Yes. But did you know that Washington in one battle had two horses shot out from under him and four times bullets passed through his his garments and yet he was never hurt? An Indian chief told him later, I had you in my sights and was going to kill you but could not. There was something that would not let me do it, a power greater than I. If God Almighty spared the life of George Washington so that he would become the founding father of our nation who am i to try to remove him from our history even thomas jefferson such a contradictory individual even jefferson himself though flawed horrendously flawed trying to pass off our national sin to king george and King George certainly was complicit in some of it but Jefferson Jefferson in the original draft go read it in the original draft of the declaration he 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 wrote blaming King George for something that was clearly ours but he did write the document that gave us the freedom that we ultimately worked our way through it's all been a awkward and uneasy progression so these were flawed men, but they were nonetheless men that whatever you want to do to their statues and whatever you want to do, what's next? Will it be a book burning? Will we go to Barn and Nobles and ask for all the history books? Will we pile them in the streets like they did in Munich and Berlin? Well, we burn them and gather around and scream and shout? You know what Karl Marx said? Karl Marx said the first battle in overcoming a culture is to erase their history. And that's where we are. And I have a question for the world. Stay with me. I have a question for the world. Why is the Roman Colosseum still standing in Rome? were slaves, Christian slaves. Virgin girls were brought out and put on an island of sand in the middle of that place and wild beasts were turned loose. And then young Christian men were set loose to defend their honor as the bloodthirsty crowds cheered their death. Why is the Colosseum still standing? If you're for liberty and you're against slavery, then take the Colosseum down. Let me ask you a question, Egypt. Why do your pyramids still stand? They were built on the backs of slaves by men who declared themselves to be men gods. Why? Why the pyramids? Why do we burn American cities No match has been struck on the west coast of Africa. Just study your history. Where tribal people along what became known as the slave coast went into what was known as the dark continent, the interior, and brought out men from other tribes and sold them to wicked slave owners. And if there was ever a journey that was hell on earth, it was the journey in the heart of a slave ship. We're cursed, my friend, because of the sins of our past. And if it's about race, would you explain to me what Margaret Sanger? The founder of Planned Parenthood, in a letter to Clarence Gable on December the 10th, 1939, she wrote these words, We do not want word to go out that we want to exterminate the Negro population. Now listen to this next statement. And the minister is the man who can straighten out that idea if it ever occurs to any of the more rebellious members. And So as a pastor, may I say this? that there was a generation of my forefathers, many, many, many of them Baptists, Presbyterian, Methodists, Episcopalian, that were gutless men, gutless men that stood behind pulpits, their churches filled with slave owners, and did not have the courage to face their own congregation. They were hirelings, They were hirelings that prostituted their integrity out so that they could have a peaceful church and go along with the wicked culture of their day when one man owned another man as property. Margaret Sanger was wrong in her declaration to to exterminate the Negro race, but she was dead right in the fact that, that pastors that stood in pulpits would support her in her desire to do so. Would you read the book Bound for Canaan? Would you read that book? Would you read that book? Every southerner that ever walked this earth should read the book Bound for Canaan by Fergus Bordowicz. Every individual should read that. If you want to stop hiding your head behind mythology and legend, if, if you will read that book, you'll come to a realization. No, no, I'm not talking about what, what, what the, the South thought. I'm not talking about what the North thought. I'm talking about what the people, the people that were the merchandise thought. You want to find out what happened to black people? I come from Savannah, Georgia, where there was a slave trading post there, and, and, and mothers and fathers were split apart. Don't tell me. I, I watched it. I saw it in the history books that I grew up. You can go down there today and read the history of it. And somebody said one time, if we had not gone to war, slavery would have ended and died a natural death. Well, Man, that's great for a white guy. That's great for a white guy. But it's not real good if you're a slave, having to wait it out years after the war in 1869 Robert E. Lee was interviewed by a newspaper reporter and Lee said this, if I had it to do all over again I would lose everything that I have and everything that I lost simply so that slavery would be ended. Lee's released as slaves before the war ever began. A study by a group called Protecting Black Lives in 2012 found that 79% of Planned Parenthood's surgical abortion facilities are located within the, walk- within the walking distance of minority communities. We just quoted Margaret Sanger, who said she wanted to exterminate the Negro race. She's the founder of Planned Parenthood. African-American communities are just under 13% of the United States population at a ratio of 474 uh, abortions per 1000 births uh, uh, african american women have the highest ratio of any group in america don't tell me they're not being don't tell don't tell me that, that, that that's not purposeful it absolutely is tearing down statues will not save a single life but closing down planned parenthood will save millions Now I want to say this to you, and then, I, then I've got a couple of points I want to make, then we'll tie a knot in in a minute or two. I believe from the top of my head to the very bottom of my foot listen carefully, that black lives matter. I believe that with every fiber in me. They're made in the image of God. Everybody it doesn't matter the color of the skin. we're all created in the image. Of God. but if you go to the website and've read I've read it in its entirety. Black Lives Matter isn't about race, it's about an agenda that promotes transgender lifestyle. They, they reject side gender what they call entitlement. It's, on, it's, it's, it's there. in that word. we reject side-gender entitlement. What does that mean? It means that a man is born a woman. A man is born a man, or a woman is born a woman. And they reject that, saying that that's not necessarily so. You get to choose, regardless of how you're physiologically made up, you get to choose what you're going to be. If you don't want that, then you don't have to be that. And it may take you some years to decide who you are. Well, that's, 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 that's not scriptural. They talk about disrupting the nuclear family. The traditional family that we have, they're they're against that. Go to their website. It's there. So this isn't a racial organization. This is an organization that that is for the redefining of the American home, the American family. It's against crossing boundary lines that God created in nature. Read Romans chapter 1. I didn't write it. God did. And... And though I believe that black lives matter, and and, and I want to just tell you this. Listen, I have absolutely no fear of anyone ever calling me a racist. None whatsoever. Not one ounce. Because you can go back with me to Georgia, and I can take you to kids that are now adults that I fed for five years of my life. I taught them about Jesus We brought them in, we loved them, and we fed them every Sunday of their life. White people would ride by my church and call me the N-word. They refused to attend my church because I ministered to black kids. They're my lifelong friends. They send me messages today and say, Pastor Dean, thank you for what you invested in our life. Me and all my siblings are in church today. I can go back in that town and they come up to me and hug my neck. Don't Listen, I'm not a racist. I'm not a racist. I could care less the color of a man's skin or the ethnicity that, that, that he claims. For. It doesn't mean anything to me. We're all made in the image of God. Having said that, I couldn't be a participant in Black Lives Matter because the Bible said, In Mark 12, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment, and the second is namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. How can I love my neighbor as myself if I'm burning his business down, if I'm intimidating him, if I'm marching across his lawn, if I'm throwing things at cop cars? The cop is my neighbor. How can I do that? When you read Psalms 2, verse 1, you might think that the psalmist was watching our news. Why do the heathen rage? I want to say this about the word heathen. The word heathen does not mean, it's not, it's, not that, it's not referring to a person's education. The word heathen is not referring to whether a person lives in a third world country or Beverly Hills. The word heathen is not talking about the color of a person's skin. It's talking about the condition of a person's heart. Jesus is the difference. And so he's saying there, why do the heathen rage? What is it that causes men who have no personal relationship with the Lord, what causes them to rage? He's asking a question that's answered in the very chapter that he gives. Look, why do the heathen rage? I want to tell you the first thing why a person rages is because they lack peace. Now, I again define the difference between a protester and a rioter. A protester uses his voice. A rioter destroys what others have worked long and hard for. Romans 5, 1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 8, verse 6, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Romans 4:19. let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith we may edify another. 2 Corinthians 13:11. finally, brethren, be perfect, be of good comfort, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of peace and love shall be with you. That's what God said. That's what the Bible said. Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God which patheth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. People that are empty of peace are filled with rage, and drugs won't soothe it. Burning stores will not remove it. And you can dynamite rush more, but you'll still be empty. Because peace does not come from what you do. Peace comes from who you know. It's important. Martin Luther King said this, Riots are the language of the unheard. He was a protester. He marched across southern streets and Bull Durham turned his dogs out on him. And again, we're talking about flawed individuals, but I am just simply saying that statement is a true one. Because what rioting done, does is it causes you to look at the actions and the temper tantrums that's being thrown, and you cannot hear their voices by what you're seeing. Vengeance for past wrongs will not change the past, and you can't build a future on hate. Jesus is the answer. If you K N O W know Jesus, you will know peace. If you N O Jesus, you will N O peace. Jesus is. The answer to our problems. They not only do they have no peace, but they're blind to the truth. Why do the heathen rage? Look at the next part of that verse. And the people imagine a vain thing. When you have no absolute, now look at me, you either have one or you don't. You either say, okay, that's yeah, that's a good book. No, no, no. This is either absolute truth or it is not. It's there's nothing in between. Jesus either is the Son of God or he is the perpetrator of the biggest lie that ever walked the face of the earth. He is not a good man, he is not a prophet, he is not a priest. If Jesus Christ is not the Savior of the world, if he is not the sinless Son of God, then he is the biggest liar that ever walked. Truth must be absolute, or it ceases to be truth. And so here, here, these people, they're blinded to truth. You know what happened in... In 1962, now stay with me, and I'm almost, just think, just, let's just think for a minute. What happened in 1962? What happened in 1962? The Bible and prayer and all things about God were ushered out of our school systems. How'd that work out? Not real well. What happened 11 years later in 1973 on January the 20th? A group of men sitting in robes playing God decided that it would be okay to exterminate preborn children in America and we have aborted them by the millions. If black lives matter and if all lives matter, then what in the world are we doing? Years ago, before he got wrapped up in the political arena, Jesse Jackson called abortion black genocide, and this is what he said: that 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 uh, the idea that a woman could do whatever she wanted, and that a baby was the personal property of the mother, um, was the premise of slavery. You could not protest the existence or treatment of slaves on the plantation because that was the private and therefore outside your right to be concerned. That's what women say today. My body, it's my body, my decision. That's exactly what slave owners said. This is my house. These are my slaves. This is my business. And we fought a war and we bled out as a nation to redefine that. At March 1977, in the March for Life, Jesse Jackson said this, What happens to the moral fabric of a nation that accepts the aborting of the life of a baby without a pang of conscience? Do you know this, dear friend? The further we drift from God, the more we become imprisoned by our own immorality and the father of lies. You know what truth does? It sets you free. Truth sets you free. Listen to this verse of Scripture. But he that hateth his brother, he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not whether he goeth because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. We live in a nation of blind people. There, Why do the heathen rage? Because they don't realize who's in control. Look at the verse. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. Who's his anointed? Jesus Christ. They're against Christianity. And, and, and so the whole, you know, you know what they say? They say we're going to throw off the shackles. Christianity, Christianity shackles us. They don't realize that they're not in control at all. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. I'm going to run through this, but I, I dealt with it on a Wednesday night. Listen, the, read your Bible. Paul wrote the second letter to the Thessalonian church, and, and he said the mystery of iniquity doth already work. The word iniquity there means lawlessness. He said lawlessness is, is alive and well in our world, and it is. And Jesus, Jesus said in Matthew 24, which is a prophetic chapter, he said, for nation shall rise against nation. If you'll study the word nation, it comes from the word, root word ethnos. It means ethnicity. What does that mean? It means race against race. It's not talking about nations with geographical boundaries like America and England and France and Germany and Russia. It's talking about ethnicity shall rise, racial problems. You know who causes that? Satan. Because, because the Bible says in, in Acts 17, 26, And God hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth. You know what we all have in common? No matter what the color of your skin or your ethnicity is, Adam was your daddy. Let's go all the way back, you know. Let's take our DNA all the way back. You know who we find? Adam and Eve, the father and the mother of us all. So Satan is playing us like a fiddle. He's making us see each other in divisions and and by colors and by ethnicities. And God said, no, that's that's what's going to happen. Satan's going to stir people up against each other for no reason other than the color of their skin. And then... Verse 4 says, He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh, and the Lord shall have them in derision. You know what it means when it says God shall laugh? It's not God saying, You bunch of idiots. Man, y'all are stupid. I can't believe that's happening down there. No, the word laugh, it's, it's a laugh of sadness. You ever laughed at somebody and just said, I wish you could see it? I wish you could see it. God in heaven who created all men, He gave His Son to die for every single human being on earth. God looks down upon us and we're killing each other and we're fighting each other and God said, i made you in my image. And he just laughs in great sadness. Now what should we do? We're Christians. So what do you do as a Christian? Well, I... I'm going to fight. I'm going to go down. No, no. What do we do as Christians? How do we handle this as Christians? First of all, we pray for our nation. Paul wrote to Timothy and he said, I exhort you therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that they may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Pray for your mayor, pray for your governor, pray for your president, pray for the people in Congress, pray for your senators and your representatives. Pray for our nation. That's the first thing we can do. It's the most powerful weapon God ever placed in the hands of a believer. Pray. Second of all, you can protect your rights. We don't have to surrender the things that God has given to us to man. The Bible says in Acts chapter 5, verse 29, Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. Now look at me. I don't like wearing my seatbelt. That's why I ride a motorcycle. I don't like wearing a seatbelt. It irritates me. I don't think Sean should be able to tell me to wear my seatbelt. I had a brother-in-law that did that. But anyhow... I don't like wearing my, I'm being honest. Is that okay for me to be transparent? Is okay? Okay, some of you are shocked that, that, that I have a flaw. No, I hate it. I hate wearing a seatbelt. I don't like it. But that's not a law that I'm going to fight. It's really not it's really not that big of a deal. And I know there are reasons behind it. So my point that I'm making is simply this. We can't go around demanding everything that that we think as spoiled Americans we should have. There's some things that just for testimony's sake might be a good idea to just be willing to go along. Third thing I would say is tell others about Jesus. You know why lost people act lost? Let me shock you, because they're lost. I don't mean that ugly, I'm just saying they don't have Christ. Do you have Jesus in your heart? Do you know Christ? If you died today, do you know you'd go to heaven? Are you sure? Jesus said, I give unto them eternal life. Do you have eternal life? He didn't say, you'll find out there. No, he said, right now, this moment, I will give you eternal life. Do you have that? If you have Jesus in your heart, then the reality of the matter, why would you hold that back? Why wouldn't you tell everybody about it? In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. I've sat in prison, listen, I've sat in prisons and looked across at men who killed their wife but were blind to truth and told them the story of Jesus Christ and seen them bow their head and be redeemed by the grace of a good God who forgave them of all they ever did. And by the way, the only way you're ever saved is by being forgiven by all you ever did. Last of all, and I'm going to close, and that's simply this. Listen carefully to this, and I'll tie a knot in this. Teach, teach your children history. Teach your children history. Let me read behind one of my favorite authors, John Meacham. Meacham said, To fail to consult the past consigns us to what might be called the tyranny of the present. The mistaken idea that the crisis of our own time are unprecedented and that we have to solve them without experience to guide us. Subject to such a tyranny, we are more likely to take a narrow or simplistic view or to let our passions get the better of our reason. If we know, however, how those who came before us found the ways and means to surmount the difficulties of their age, we stand a far better chance of acting in the moment with perspective and measured judgment. Light can neither enter into nor emanate. From a closed mind. <clears throat> and so we have to learn our history, or we're bound to repeat it. When D. L. Moody died, President William McKinley came to pay his respects. He walked over to Moody's son, Will, and he said to Will, son, you do know that your dad was a great man, don't you? And Will in his modesty said, I'm I'm, I'm certain he was a good man. And he said to him, no, son, he was more than a good man. He was also a great man. And then he said this, when greatness and goodness are combined, you have a rare character. What can I say to you? That America has been great. But there have been times when she has not been good. Teach that to your children. It's true. We are a nation of great contradictions. If you look at history from a telescope, you can see gray and blue. If you look at it from a microscope, you see people that were blue that were not for the freedom of slaves and people in gray that did not fight for slavery. The closer you get to history, the more flaws you see in our leaders. Jefferson. Patrick Henry said that slavery was our most lamentable sin. And he went before our Congress and fought against the spreading of slavery. And yet he owned 67 slaves himself. A man of great contradiction. There's goodness and there's greatness. Sometimes you find the two combined. Sometimes they're not. We were a great nation because, because we fought at Guadalcanal. We fought on Iwo Jima. We sent the best of our boys to stand on beaches and in cornrows of places they never knew existed, and yet they fought. The, 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 the freedom of the civilized world rested upon their shoulders. In rice paddies of Vietnam, where General Hal Moore and his men the great book we were soldiers once and young listen america was great but then there was the trail of tears my grandmother's maiden name was timberlake i have cherokee blood flowing within me i know i know the history of what andy jackson and those people did it even right here In Idaho, it wasn't good. And anybody that thinks it is, is either hiding from history or they've read some stupid internet book where some guy twisted and demented the truth of what really happened. And I'm not interested in any of that. Slavery cannot be defended by any man from a moral standpoint whatsoever. It's the the sin of our nation. Abortion, civil rights, was not won at the Emancipation Proclamation. When my dad went off to war, fought in the Battle of the Bulge, my dad came home, worked a job, and enjoyed all the privileges of being an American. A black man that went to the same battle fought the same enemy, served in the same difficulties. When he came home to America, he could not go to the bathroom in a, in, in a restroom that was labeled for whites only in the Jim Crow South that I grew up in. You couldn't eat at a counter down at Woolworths 5 and 10 if white people were eating there. You weren't allowed. You could fight and you could die for our nation, but you couldn't ride at the front of the bus in the name of a holy God can any person justify something that is so atrocious and so wrong? So, what do we do? Well, we share Jesus and when you teach your kids history, be honest with them. Don't tear down don't destroy righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Don't tear down our history and don't lie to your kids about it. Teach them the truth. Don't don't destroy the statues. When I went to Rome, they took me inside and they showed me the channels where the lions came out of and, and ate Christians. Don't don't lie about that. Learn from that. Don't tear our statues down. Point to the statue and tell your child what great contradictions were in our history. For who are you and I? And how did we become so pure as to pass judgment on men who have long since left the stage and we stand in judgment of them that somehow Somehow, we have discovered our own perfection. Let's pray. Now, this is a lot longer than I normally go. It's a lot more detail than I normally give. But I felt like, over a period of time, things have raged in our nation and I have not addressed some things that I felt I felt urged by God that needed to be addressed as Christian people we know what's right we know the truth but we ought to speak the truth in love you ought to tell people about Christ share your faith don't be afraid to be a voice don't apologize for what you believe national anthems played I'm not going to kneel I'm going to stand somebody else wants to kneel that's their business but my business I get to stand I'm going to I'm not going to apologize for that I don't expect you to apologize where you disagree with me nor should you expect me we we ought to have enough respect for each other that we're able to live under the liberty that God's given us don't ever surrender that to anybody don't let anybody intimidate you from that you stand Principles of the Word of God. Let's pray. Our Father, I pray that you would help us to be witnesses of your love. God, we we live in a great land, and yet we're not blinded, we're not even trying to ignore the flaws and the faults that saturate our history. Help us, I pray, to live in such a way that we might, by our very being here, improve the relations that are so fragmented and fractured. If God's children can't love people made in the image of their father, who can? Help us, I pray, To meet hatred with love. To meet error with truth. To meet violence with kindness. Lord, help us, I pray, to lead the way. Bless our nation, our president, our leaders, our police, our people. Lord, give us wisdom. Give us discernment. Bring us back to you. In Jesus' name, I pray these things. Amen.